Welcome to The Culture Lane, where we explore the products, people, and services driving the shifting world of automotive and mobility. Here, we take a different route when navigating the changing transportation landscape. So settle in, buckle up, and let the journey begin. There is no technology garnering the degree of buzz that artificial intelligence is generating among consumers and businesses alike. Whether it's chat GPT or advanced robotics, AI is by far one of the most talked about technologies in the world, and it is completely redefining how most think about tech. Many insiders contend that there isn't a mode of interaction or operations that we know of today, human-centered, tech-based, or otherwise, that won't be impacted by artificial intelligence in the years to come. OpenAI, the company behind ChatGPT, claims that the AI tool has already been adopted by more than 80% of Fortune 500 companies. The global market for AI is expected to grow to nearly $460 billion by 2030, according to a report by the Insight Source Research and Markets. And the world of automotive and mobility has become one of the most intriguing focal points of all the conversations around the transformative capabilities of the technology. But exactly how is AI poised to revolutionize the transportation industry? And what are the consequences associated with the wider adoption of AI in the space amid some of the growing concerns with the technology overall? To dig into those questions and more, the Culture Lane talked to Ashok Devakaran, who is the AI sector lead for automotive and mobility at the consulting company Deloitte. Michelle, thank you for joining us on The Culture Lane. Hey, thanks, Marcus. It's great to be on. AI. There just is so much to unpack in the world of AI when it comes to the business of automotive and mobility. Uh, But where do you see it having sort of the most impact immediately? Well, so, you know, AI is already so present in the world of automotive in multiple areas. And you can think about the way in which AI is playing a role in automotive at two levels, quite simply, right? One is the way auto companies run themselves, the way in which they develop, manufacture, and sell vehicles. And the second way is the experience for drivers and passengers. So behind the scenes, AI is already playing a huge role in uh, the way design and development of vehicles is happening. Uh, with the way you know they're manufactured and the supply chain is optimized to put together a vehicle, and then eventually how it gets sold to the customer. And you've seen a big shift over the last five years into things such as Internet of Things, digital twins, simulation. All of these are kind of the ancestors or close cousins of AI. Uh, and now you've got AI that is being combined with those three or four things to completely transform the way in which automotive companies are, again, designing, producing, and selling vehicles. The second big bucket is the driver experience. And I would break that down into two further areas, which is uh, autonomy or advanced driver assist 
and the rest of the driving experience, whether it's infotainment or what have you. And the reason I'm breaking it down into, into those two areas is because autonomy is at its core AI. You know, the vehicle cannot autonomously do anything without lots of strong AI. And so I'm kind of treating that as a separate bucket. And then in the driving experience, you're obviously seeing lots of shifts underway. For the time being, a lot of the AI that impacts the, the, you know, the passenger and the driver is taking place in the cloud. But increasingly, we're going to see more of that shifting into the vehicle itself. You know, you mentioned that 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 AI has has been around um, for a while. Um, what do you think, though, is is sort of prompting, and maybe it's more of consumer interest in it um, as it relates to to automotive, or maybe it's just general consumer interest in the idea of AI. What is driving that? Because it does seem like that that there is more conversation around it now when it comes to automotive and mobility. Yeah, I mean, so I will say that for the, for a long time, you know, you, you've seen this renaissance of AI now going back a decade. Uh, but for a long time, AI was seen as something quite abstract, right? People couldn't really get their arms around what AI was. And then at the end of last year, you had ChatGPT that was released. And what ChatGPT did that was so revolutionary was it presented uh, consumers with a very accessible interface to try for themselves what the power of AI could be. And I think that has generated a big shift and a general interest in AI. Uh, And I think in combination, you've also seen uh, the growth of a number of technologies that, you know, going back, you know, one or two years were being, you know, pushed around under the label of metaverse. Now, the term metaverse itself has kind of declined in kind of popularity or relevance. But many of the component technologies, whether it's AR, VR, or it's, you know, you know, sort of next generation sensors that could live in the vehicle for biometrics and so on. All of those things will still be very relevant going forward. And when you combine those with AI, it's going to result in new types of experiences that really capture consumers' imagination. So I think it's really a combination of those two things, which is one, just a general awareness of AI having been kindled by ChatGPT. And all of that's led to a bit more of an exploration as to, well, you know, AI is really here. What other things could it do uh, besides just that sort of conversational interface? You, you know, there, there's, there is some apprehension about it, though. I mean, it, especially as it relates to sort of that, that human connection. Is that apprehension, do you think, is warranted given where we are and where we're going? Well, I think the apprehension is, is certainly warranted. And let me maybe separate out the apprehension from, you know, the broader existential questions about AI, such as, you know, uh, is AI eventually going to run amok and, you know, turn into a bunch of Terminator robots that are all seeking to optimize their own existence, right, at the expense of human beings. But at a more mundane level, there are lots of concerns around, I mean, AI and autonomous vehicles, for example, right? The, the technology is still being refined. You still have instances in which the vehicle may not always behave the way in which you want it to. Uh, You know, full autonomy is still some distance off. There are some questions around where the liability will rest in case something goes wrong with the vehicle. Uh, There continue to be concerns around what happens if the vehicle is hacked, right, and whether the algorithms that run the vehicle could be compromised. Uh, And then you've got a a set of more general and more mundane questions on things that may not be about the AI itself, but are related to the AI, such as data, right? We all know that data is the fuel for AI, and vehicles generate lots and lots of data. And so there are questions around data privacy and, you know, uh, cybersecurity and all of these issues that 
are particularly relevant to vehicles because um, they're moving. These are objects that move at high speed, and if something goes wrong, it could mean people dying, right? And as mm-hmm. a result, uh, the sensitivity of what the AI in the vehicle does is perhaps a bit higher than for a use case that is subject to less, you know, some fewer constraints than a vehicle moving at high speed. You know, the the, the AI does uh, the conversation around it around it now does seem like it has given the idea of autonomous vehicles sort of um, a boost to some degree. And I say that only because it seems like there was a period where the the, the conversation uh, around autonomous vehicles was kind of dying down a little bit. Um, Mm -hmm. Would you agree? Does it, is it helping in terms of sort of, from from an innovation standpoint, but also in terms of providing a clearing a clearer understanding uh, that this is potentially possible in the future, perhaps not as near future as some had predicted early on, but but how does it impact it yeah. overall? Yeah, I mean, the, so the world of autonomous has gone through a really interesting shift because, and in many ways, that shift sort of reflects a typical so called hype cycle, right where. You've got a set of new technologies that appear on the scene. It gets everyone really excited. They maybe over-extrapolate what the near-term impacts would be, right? You know, it's often been said of new technologies that we tend to overestimate the near-term impact, near-term impact but underestimate the long-term impact. And I think that's very much what happened with AVs, where going back four or five years, everyone thought that mobility as a service was going to displace individually owned vehicles. And this mobility as a service would be built around robo-taxis that were driving themselves. So what's happened is that AVs have gone through a fundamental shift where this, this belief in robo-taxis and mobility as a service being the dominant mode of transportation has died down. And partially this was thanks to COVID, which kind of restored the faith in, in individually owned vehicles. But what's happened is that you see a much broader industry-level embrace of ADAS, right, Advanced Driver Assist, which is a lower kind of autonomy. It's still sort of, technically, it's still a certain kind of autonomy. It's lower than what would be needed for a robo-taxi, but uh, it's still autonomy. And all of this is still, you you need strong AI even to enable so-called level two or level three ADAS. So what's happened is that, yes, you know, the sort of utopian dream of robo-taxis around every corner has gone away, but what's replaced it is a more modest kind of autonomy but that's going to ultimately impact a much, much greater number of vehicles because we are talking about this kind of autonomy creeping into individually owned vehicles as opposed to fleets of robo-taxis. And so, yeah, I think, uh, you know, AI is still going to be the fuel that drives all of these ADAS-equipped vehicles. You still need very powerful onboard computers that are optimized for AI, and you need strong AI software that's running on these, these computers. And... Uh, you know, you're going to be a, see a big adoption of this kind of technology in the coming years. You know, I, just having this conversation with you, I, I can only imagine, and, and me being someone that's sort of trying to keep up with it, right? Everything that's sort of transforming this industry as it relates to AI, whether it was the conversation about metaverse uh, a year or two ago, I can only ma- imagine how how challenging and how confusing perhaps it could be for the average consumer to understand what's going on as it relates to how this this 
automotive and mobile world, this all world of automotive and mobility is shifting. Um, and and not to not to put, fully place this on this question on you in terms of <laughs> being the end all, but but how do how do we begin within this industry to to help consumers have a better understanding of of what's going on so that that they are more comfortable with the technology. Um, and, and who, who do you think does that responsibility fall on? Yeah. You know, this is a, this is actually a great question and it's a big, it's both a challenge and an opportunity for automotive companies because in reality, the possibilities are limitless, right? You can do when you combine all of these technologies together and not just the AI, but you combine it synergistically with other technologies like, you know, a sort of next generation human machine interface with AR and VR, you start building in more powerful chips, you bring in greater levels of connectivity with 5G and so on. I mean, really, the things that you can do with a vehicle are just incredible. But uh, all of that, uh, that limitless freedom also creates, as you've just said, puts a bit of a burden to explain how you do it. Uh, I, I think human beings are practical and learn through examples. And I think rather than trying to theoretically explain the full art of the possible. I think what's going to happen over time is that uh, people's natural understanding of these building blocks and the things they can do will just naturally expand over time, right? You will you will start seeing more and more so-called use cases or things that you can do with a vehicle that involve a number of building blocks that will combine to enable these new experiences, right? And let me explain what I mean by these building blocks. You will see things become much more interactive, you will see things starting to get much more personalized. Uh, you will see that the machine, the car, can predict a lot more than it could. And by prediction, I don't just mean, let's say, you know, uh, coming up with an optimized route through traffic, but it's predicting and personalizing, for example, what kind of ambiance you want in the vehicle based on maybe a camera that's reading your emotional state and then tailoring that, that vehicle ambiance accordingly. You're gonna see start you're gonna see things starting to get much more immersive as more AR and VR starts getting built into vehicles. And I think, you know, once more and more of these creative applications start getting adopted, and you will see initially a lot of this adoption happening more in the premium end of the of the market because uh, it's the luxury and premium segments that have the most headroom in the vehicle budget to play with these new technologies. And very often it's the consumers in these segments that have the most uh, tech savviness and the greatest appetite to try these new things. So you'll see a natural infiltration of these things into the higher end segments, and then it'll naturally trickle down into the rest of the market. And the more the trickle down happens, I think the more people will start intuitively understanding everything that it can do and start demanding that, you know, their products come with these things as a standard. As we move towards that process, that trickle down process, what are the things that you think, um, the the automakers need to be mindful of um and also you know what also the those in 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 auto retail what do they need to be mindful of as it relates to to embracing this technology and leveraging this technology moving forward and when you say what they need to be mindful of do you mean to best communicate it to customers or uh well i i think a little bit more than best communicated i mean We've discussed to some degree the idea of it um, not spiraling out of control to the degree that some people <laughs> try to present it, right? But 
are there some general things that that they need to keep in mind when it comes to applying this techno- technology or jumping into this world? Um, say even on the retail level, thinking that it is going to increase their sales exponentially. Are there some just general things that that the industry overall needs to keep in mind? Yeah, got it. Um, so I think there will be one natural forcing function uh, to make sure that things don't move forward or get out of control too quickly, which is that ultimately vehicle manufacturers run with fairly tight budgets, right? You're producing a complex system, but the industry is so competitive that the margins under which they've got to operate are constantly forcing this dialogue around how much functionality can we put into the vehicle and put in just enough so that we can try and create some differentiation, but not so much that it's going to blow our budget or blow our margins. So I think there's going to be a natural limit as to what people can and want to do. Um, And then I think beyond that, I think what they'll have to be mindful of is resisting the temptation to just do stuff because the technology allows you to do it, right? You've seen this in movies, for example, right? Where uh, CGI was was just put in, you know, when CGI first came on the scene into just about everything just because it was this new toy that you could do something with. And, you know, when you look at the very early days of the metaverse, uh, you saw the sort of uh, explosion of what I would, you know, consider to be somewhat gimmicky use cases like NFTs, where people were just trying to create NFTs for everything, or people were trying to create virtual events and and sort of virtual spaces like Decentraland and so on, just because you could do it. And guess what? It turned out that people weren't actually that interested in it. So I think you're going to have this natural push and pull between, on the one hand, hey, the technology allows us to do all this cool stuff. Let's just do it. And on the other hand, this restraining function of, but we don't have all the money in the world to just do anything that we want. Does does that kind of uh, push and pull or like the metaverse again is I think is a, is a great example of it. You're right. There were just just all of these wild sort of ideas floating around in and with NFTs. Um, does that to some degree, though, speak to the fact that we are just in a disruptive period and people when we are in when an industry is or sector business sector is in a, a disruptive period is going to go through sort of those really tough learning pains, if you will? It absolutely is. It absolutely is. I mean, whenever a new technology is introduced, uh, especially a consumer-facing technology, uh, you don't really know what the consumer wants, right? Uh, And so you don't have a North Star to go, well, this thing is clearly going to be embraced and this one won't. I mean, this is why, you know, someone like Steve Jobs was was notorious for saying that he he didn't listen to his marketing department because... Uh, he wasn't convinced that they could actually predict the future and know what customers would want. So there is this natural period of experimentation and figuring out what people really want and really pushing the limits and understanding of what the technology can do. And then over time, you get more clarity around what types of things people value, what they don't. You know, technology standards themselves start to stabilize. Uh, costs become more manageable. And all of that needs to uh, leads to a, a natural stabilization around what to actually do with all of this cool technology. So I think to answer your question, yeah, a lot of this early experimentation is par for the course, and some things will bite the dust, and a few things will be the glimmers of things that become much more important and significant going forward. You know, I, I, I'm curious, as someone in your position that, that sort of s- sees all of this happening in this space from a tech standpoint, 
What is what excites you most about it in looking at the future of automotive and mobility? You know, what fundamentally excites me the most is the fact that uh, the car is basically a so-called third living space, right? We've got home, we've got work, and we've got the vehicle that is its third living space. You know, this is something in which we spend large portions of our time and large portions of those time that are sometimes not used in completely productive ways, right? And so when you see this convergence of technologies for this third living space in which we spend so much time that will eventually allow us to spend more time doing what we want versus getting stuck in traffic jams that will allow us to do work and play without necessarily worrying about the wheel uh, and you see this convergence of technologies in the form of uh, the human machine interface right the way in which we interact with the third living space uh, the computers under the hood that allow you to do more and more um, the connectivity of the vehicle, right, both to the cloud and to all kinds of things around it, whether it's other vehicles or infrastructure and so on, uh, ultimately higher speed connection bandwidths with things like 5G, uh, you're going to dramatically transform the kinds of things you can do inside of a vehicle, precisely because it is a third living space in which we spend so much time. And I think that's what makes it so different from any other consumer product. And it's really this sort of... Uh, next horizon of limitless possibilities that I find just inspiring and exciting. I have to agree with you. There is something very exciting about the idea of the car being this third living space, um, if you will, with, with the wider adoption of AI in the world of automotive and mobility. Thanks again, Ashok, for taking the time to join us on The Culture Lane. Hey, Marcus, great speaking with you and couldn't have chosen a more uh, exciting topic myself. So uh, thanks for having me on. Now, on to the next journey.